0: That's a dreadful goal and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henry! What a goal!
1: Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henry! Miller, lovely cushion header But
0: Gerrard! Oh, you're beautiful! What a header! What a hit! The Ghost Goal Podcast. Podcast. I'm Andrew Passaro. We got the whole group together today. The Champions League, the best tournament in sports, it's back. I wouldn't say it's better than ever, but it's back. We're getting back to the traditional format. We've got eight groups, four teams, 32 teams left in the competition. We're gonna break it all down and get ready for it as it returns. Like I said, I'm Andrew Passaro alongside Alex Moss and Javier Arevalo. How's everybody doing on this Sunday afternoon?
2: Are the champions, the champions. All right, you're not Holland. You got, you got to stop. You got to stop. You're not allowed to sing that
1: song. We both have an appreciation for it, Javier. We're—it's
0: uh... the best song ever in terms of like any. I know uh, I'm setting myself up for. It. Yeah, 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 Javier.
2: You wouldn't appreciate that song. You probably haven't heard it. No, no, no it Javier. Years. I understand
1: that song brings <laughs> oh, you God. pain, which is Just, part oh, of the reason God, I love it. singing it. Um, <laughs> but it's mostly because I love Chelsea being in the Champions I just
2: League. knew anything I said there, I was just, I was setting myself up for, for, for a burn. So thank you, Alex. Thank you. T- you took the bait. Get it out That's of what the way I wanted. Really.
0: <laughs> I promise this no Arsenal true.
1: jabs from now on.
0: Well, we can't really take shots at Arsenal because they we are not going to talk about them in this podcast. So.
2: Well, no, I was going to say, of course, this can't be the best the Champions League's ever been because Arsenal's not in it. So, you know, definitely missing a massive club that would make the Champions League better. You know, so.
0: I mean. Yeah, they are—they're closing in on my mind as a team that should be qualifying for the Champions League.
2: Yes, we will be having a party soon. So.
0: Oh, well, there we go. There we go. Uh, follow us along on Twitter and Instagram at, at GhostGoalPod, at Andrew Passaro, at ASMoss92, and at JavierArev9. No, I changed it. It's Javier oh, JavierArev9. There we go. On Instagram and Twitter. Beautiful. There's we that love Champions League it. mentality. <laughs> we do love to see that. Um, speaking of Champions League mentality, we might as well get started with Group A with the current champions of the Champions League, Bayern Munich, who won it for a sixth time only a few uh, months ago at this point. Uh, they will be alongside Atletico Madrid, uh, Locomotive Moscow, and Red Bull Salzburg, uh, coached by American Jesse Marsh, and they might be getting another American from Philadelphia Union in the very near future. Decent group. Um, obviously... Bayern Munich uh, were on a crazy tear of unbeaten matches that came to an end recently in the Bundesliga. Atletico Madrid recently acquiring Luis Suarez, Locomotive Moscow doing their thing in Russia, and Red Bull Salzburg uh, doing their thing in Austria. And also, if we're being honest, funding everything that happens at uh, Red Bull Leipzig. Guys, how we feel about this group? I feel like it's going to be, I feel like if there's one word I can describe this group in outside of Munich, it's probably grit. I, I feel like that's a good word to use to describe this group.
1: Yeah, it's kind of in the same vein as uh, Group G that we're going to get to a little bit later. These seem to be the only two groups that have two clear favorites for qualification. Group G, of course, has Juventus and Barcelona, along with Dynamo Kiev and Ferenc Varus. And meanwhile, this group, Group A, has Bayern, Atletico, and then Lokomotiv Moscow and RB Salzburg, who are both good teams with a couple of like notable players on each one. But you don't really expect them to give uh, Bayern much of a, of a fight. And, I mean, maybe one of them could kind of uh, go at Atletico Madrid and make things a little bit difficult. But uh, overall, I think it's just going to be those two fighting out for that that Europa League qualification place. Yeah, I was going
2: to say, I feel place. like the question is who's going to finish third and then drop into Europa from here.
0: I think the thing to watch here is, yes, Bayern will win the group, in my opinion. Atletico will come in second. Uh, I think the thing to watch here is is who's the yet, the next young stud that's at Rebel Salzburg to come through because obviously in the first in the group stage of the Champions League last year um pardon me if I'm wrong if I'm wrong that was where Haaland was and that's where also uh, Takumi Minamino who ended up at Liverpool both were so I, I think Rebel Salzburg if you're a soccer hipster which there's a good chance you are if you're listening to this podcast Watching those Salzburg games is at least like, uh, hey, who's popping through? Who should I be looking out for? Maybe signing to my to my you know club team in FIFA this year is the one thing I will take away from this. Well, I can
1: drop you a couple of uh, suggestions. Dominic Shabalai is kind of a, a well known one now, uh, the Hungarian winger slash midfielder. Uh, and then the, the star of their season so far has been this Zambian center forward, Patson Daka, who's 22 years old. He's already got five goals in four league games for them, and he scored a double uh, against Maccabi Tel Aviv to qualify them for the Champions League. So he's having a good early start to the season. And his strike partner, uh, Seku Koita, who's a 20-year-old Malian center forward, he's got four goals in the league as well. So... Uh, they look similar to last year's team, maybe not with as much talent, but you know they're they're popping up early and playing well and scoring a lot of goals. Um, and then you know they've got the only real player I could find from uh, last year's team who contributed a lot was uh, uh, Max Wo- uh, Wober, the 22-year-old Austrian center back who used to play for Ajax and Sevilla. Um, he, he's probably the closest thing they have to like an experienced player uh, in, in this team. So. I think it would be a pretty big uh, achievement for them to get uh, to finish above Lokomotiv Moscow. Um, but I, I think they can do it. The only players I really recognize from Moscow were like Vedran Chorluka, Gregor Kakoviac and then Adair, the uh, striker who scored the winning goal at the Euros in 2016 for Portugal. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to take RB Salzburg in third, Bayern in first, obviously. You don't really have to have conversation about whether they're going to finish first or second and then Atletico second of course.
0: I think we're all chalk here.
2: Yeah, I was I agree with that as well and I was going to say I think like the one big advantage that Russia would typically have is having, you know, going having to go out to Russia playing in those with those fans in the stadium and you know in in a cold atmosphere during the winter but you know they're still going to have the atmosphere advantage part and having to go a long trip, but I think the fans are such a big part of going to play away in Russia, um, like those crazy Russian fans. That I think I think Salzburg are going to nip it as well. Um, I also really like their uh, their young midfielder uh, Okafor, um, who who partners Spoz Spozali. I don't know how do you say that name, Alex? Said it earlier. Dominic, yeah, for for shobalai so I hope he, Arsenal sign him he's more of seems a seems to be uh,
1: but he can play yeah, in seems midfield seems to be like a, a
2: midfield winger who hungarian player both both 19 or 20 years old um they have a very very young team salzburg and it seems to be like they're the type of team that they're just going to be feeding some of the top teams in europe like dortmund and you know liverpool and bayern and a- anyone who wants to, to come in and buy their youngsters for 30 or 40 million this is going to be the team to come so that, I think it's gonna be fun to watch them for that reason, and I don't know if they have a chance to to nip Atletico. I think Atletico look a little bit too good this year and a little bit too deep um, to, to to not get out of this group. But I think they might give some hard games for to Atletico Madrid. So, so
1: the one thing I'll just mention for Atletico, I, I mean, I'm definitely still picking them to qualify, but their like beginning to this group is or they're beginning to this group and just their schedule in general is kind of tough. Like, they'll come back on December or October 17th at Celta Vigo, then they'll play at Bayern in the Champions League, home Real Betis, uh, home Salzburg, home Barcelona, home Locomotive Moscow, at Valencia, home Bayern, at Salzburg, at Real Madrid. So they have, like, in the span of two months, like eight of their toughest games of the season, and they're all back-to-back-to-back, to back to back. so it's... It's going to be rough for them, but I think they have enough talent, to, for, especially for those like head-to-head games with Salzburg and uh, and uh, Lokomotive Moscow. Like you, you think they'll get the results in that to at least seal second place.
0: And that's why it comes down to management. And like, if you're going to be a good team in this competition, it comes down to management. And the reality is, they have one of the best managers in the world, still and Diego Simeone. Let's move to Group B. We're all uh, we're all taking Bayern and let it go. And, and the, the one What's thing you? I'll
2: say is, them losing Partey on the last day of the season was definitely, apparently from all you know accounts, was unexpected from them. And I don't know how much that's going to affect them in these like last six months, but they didn't really bring in a player to replace them. I mean, Lucas Torreira on loan is not going to be replacing they, that player. So. They have they
1: have a bunch of players who can fill that midfield void. You know, Coke. So uh, I
2: just I just. I know he's been a Herrera, big part of their Champions League, the of their player, Champions Herrera. League, like, runs. Yeah. Uh, no, I know. Marcus but he,
1: Lorente, the Uruguayan midfielder, along with Torre. Right. They have a lot of quality, but they've just got to figure out what their next sort of set midfield two is going to be.
0: Yeah. All right, let's move along. Uh, group B, Real Madrid, Inter Milan, Borussia Mönchengladbach, my favorite name to say in all of soccer, and Shakhtar Danek's. Uh Interesting group here. Uh, I really – I look – Inter Milan brought in a lot of pieces this past year. Real Madrid, you have to think, are still, even with uh, some of the struggles that they had last year, are still a team that should easily win this group. But Mönchengladbach has some decent little pieces. I'll be interested to see if either of you guys think they might be able to take down Inter. For me, Inter, they didn't bring in, they didn't get everything they wanted this year. I know Messi might have been on that list. I know there were a couple other players who were high on that list. They almost sold Skriniar, but they didn't. Um... I really still think this group finishes with Real and Inter. Uh, is there the chance that Inter actually decides that they, they want to beat all to, to, to take the group as a whole? I think they have the pieces, especially with if Lukaku and, and Latoro Martinez can can finish with the form can play with the form that they finished the season with last year. I think there's a chance. Um but I, I, I still I still really like Real Madrid. But I, I think this is pretty clear cut, and Mitch and Gladbach finishes in third. But this is a good group. I th- I don't think you'll have I think you'll have a lot of goals, and I don't think you'll have a bad game in this group. I think every single team is going to show up and be able to play and contribute in this game in this group.
1: This one's wide open. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I mean, I know the like when you look at it right away, you think Ray Allen Inter, just from the team sheets, but. I mean even Shakhtar Donetsk like this is not your typical pot 4 team. I'm not even sure who the pop 4 team was. I think it might have been uh, Mönchengladbach, but you could probably read into uh, Shakhtar's loss to Inter in the Europa League semi-final a couple of weeks ago like a bit too much. It was a big like 5-0 loss so you could think oh Shakhtar aren't really at the same level. But I think they're just as big of a threat to qualify from this group as uh, Mönchengladbach should be. And um, I'm personally going to pick uh, Mönchengladbach to get second, Real to get first, and Inter to miss out again.
2: Um, oh, my Alex. You're Conte, still not learning, Conte, still not learning uh, against Conte your, your Inter Milan Just
1: don't go together. Uh, prove me wrong. He's not wrong. Prove me
0: wrong. He's not wrong.
1: Yeah, uh, and honestly, they're trying to they're trying to get the Syria title. It was the same case last year, and I told you guys that Dortmund, albeit a very much better Dortmund team than uh, this Gladbach team is, I told you that Dortmund would finish ahead of them, and they did. Uh, and, and Gladbach, I think they're they're one of the more up and coming, like promising teams. Like as long as they don't get uh, just picked apart too soon, which it doesn't look like they will. But it looks like they're still kind of under the radar. Uh, they led the Bundesliga for a big stretch of last season under uh, Marco Rosa, the, their young German manager that they brought in the beginning of last season. Uh, they've got a bunch of great attacking threats in Marcus Turam and Alisson Playa, and uh, Florian Neuhaus, uh, like a young German attacking midfielder who just scored on his uh, debut for the national team the other day, I, I think they're kind of sick of being that Europa League level team that gets uh, knocked out of any random knock, not like a knockout round of the Europa League. They want to stay in the Champions League, get that extra money for qualifying out of the group, and really start to, you know, stick their name as a more frequent team in the Champions League. So...
2: I think say. Inter have a chance of like winning the group. Um, I'm going to yeah, say no, that because course. I think that they're that they're they've they've added a lot of depth to their squad over the window. They um, brought in Arturo Vidal into that midfield. Um, they were they were able to buy Ashraf Hakimi, um, who they've been sticking out at right wing back and who's looked really good for them at the start of the season. Um, they brought in Alexis Sanchez on a permanent deal, and you know he's been coming off the bench. I mean, Ericsson has even been getting game time, but you got to think that in the, like in the Champions League, he's going to be playing. And well, no,
1: supposedly they were trying to—they were trying to get rid of him at the end of the transfer window.
2: Like wow, Conte doesn't but, like him. Okay, but I just think that yeah, I mean he, he he didn't even come on in this last game that they were playing against Lazio um, last weekend. But yeah, I just think that you know I'm looking at their bench and they've got—they've got a lot of players that they can bring on. Um, you know, even if they have a couple of injuries, their squad looks good. They've—they've they've got a great midfield, great back line. I think Conte's got the squad he wants right now, and I'm—I'm I'm definitely picking them to go out of this group. I don't know if they, you know, uh, top Real Madrid here. Real seem to be in pretty good form to start the season, and they were the they did win the title last year. Um, Real just
0: have so much depth, like yeah. as much depth as Inter has. Like Real Madrid has like four players who can play at any position outside of maybe striker at any time, like. And and even still, like what Inter has over Munchen Gladbach, like uh, like a devastating like striker injury to Munchen Gladbach is gonna really like neuter them. Where like Inter, like Lukaku picks up an injury, you still have Lautaro, you still have oh, Sanchez, who, is
2: also back. He also yeah. was back from Bayern Munich. So yeah, they like, they got a lot of depth on Inter as well. So
0: I have to take those two, but I would take Real Madrid to start to top the group personally.
2: Yeah, I think I'm going. I'm doing that too. I think I'm going. Real 1, Inter 2. And I don't think it's going to be particularly close. But I do think it's a very interesting question of whether Gladbach or um, Shakhtar get out of that third place. And I wouldn't be surprised to see either one get out. Um, but I kind of still see Gladbach as that Europa League-level team. And I kind of feel like they're going to end up finishing short and in third place. So, Which is it's a little bit rough on Shakhtar, saying that they're going to finish fourth and just out of European competition. But they seem to have a... a a little bit more of a race on their hands in their in their league, so I don't know. It's uh I think it's up in the air for that one. And same thing with Gladbach, they haven't had the best start of the season in the in the in Bundesliga. Terms of,
0: in terms of gambling, those Munch and Gladbach uh Shakhtar games are gonna be a lot of fun. Like they're both the you're gonna get plus money on both sides, I'll tell you that right now. So those games are gonna be ones to watch, I will say. Alex, what are you taking here? Are you taking Madrid and Gladbach. Yeah,
1: Real first, uh, Bercy and Gladbach second, Inter third.
0: There we go. All right, moving on to Group C, where you see Manchester City, FC Porto, Marseille, and Olympiacos. And as we were talking right before the pod started, there was a major transfer for FC Porto. Danilo, their midfielder from FC Porto, leaving uh, to go to. PSG, which is a big hole in their midfield. Alex, what do you? I like. I know you're the one who were who was talking about that beforehand. What do you think that means for Porto? I, I think this is a pretty clear cut group for Manchester City to dominate things. But Porto is a team that we've seen in the final sixteen several times over the last three or four years in the Champions League. Do you think that's enough to knock them out, knock them below maybe a Marseille? I don't know about Olympiacos, but possibly a Marseille. Yeah, I mean that's kind of
1: sent my selection into a into a tailspin. I, I was thinking before, as I was looking at the, at this group, with the assumption that Danilo, Danilo Primera was still going to be playing for Porto, that it would be very close between them and Marseille. Uh, you can look at the uh, combination of their Champions League schedules along with their, their league schedules, and both kind of point to uh, Marseille and Porto having not the toughest set of league schedules, uh, and obviously, like a very even uh, Champions League one, so uh, it kind of tips the scales in favor of uh, Marseille to me. Um, I, I really do love Socio style coach teams uh, at Porto. They've been very good and very good defensively and intense. But uh, Marseille, especially just early season performances against uh, uh, PSG. I mean, if you can put the the racism or the racist incident, like, aside in that game. Yeah, they've had good early-season per performances against PSG. They've got a good young defensive midfielder in Boubacar uh, Kamara, who uh, I thought might be leaving this summer but ended up staying. Still got Dimitri Payet, uh, Dario Benedetto, the Argentine striker they brought in from Boca last year. Um, and, yeah, I, I, and Florian Talvin, I think, is going to be around for the rest of this season. Um, until he moves to AC Milan next year. That seems to be like the big rumor. So I think they have enough Champions League experience and, and, and quality to uh, at least keep some continuity together, whereas Porto have sold... Uh, that's two big players in the last week, Alex Tellis and uh, Danilo Primera, who were not only important to how uh, set they were defensively, but they were very important to triggering all of their counterattacks, and And Tellis provided a great goal threat. So... It, that's going to be a lot for them to overcome, but they should just be happy they're back in the Champions League this year and f- focus on retaining the Portuguese league because that's really where the uh, the big money is made if you're a Portuguese team. I, ca- I kind of like Olympiacos in
2: this group. Like I-, I thought that they were good last year in Europa League, and they added a couple pieces. I think Rafinha got into the team. I really like their two center backs, Ruben Samedo and um, Ocyonu Ba. Both twenty-four-year-old, big, tall, like six-four center backs who Ruben um, are Samedo's young. Like, I think
1: he's like thirty-four. He's like old.
2: Uh, oh, Ba is, Buzz, ba is twenty-four. Ba, ba no, ba Simeone's yeah. twenty-six. Ruben Semedo's twenty-six. Really? Damn, I thought he was yeah. way older than that. And I think they're both. I think like their back line is really good. Um, I think defensively they're going to be really hard to break down. You know, they've got some veterans in the team. They also picked up Halabos from Watford, um, so they've got a couple couple decent wing backs and. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, I think Ba was rumored to be going to Liverpool this summer. There were some, there were some links there, and you know Semedo's another, another good center back. I don't know. I'm, I'm quietly optimistic that Olympiacos might be able to get out of this group because I, I think that that second spot is definitely wide open here between them, Porto, and Marseille. And I know that you think Marseille—I Barca- think Marseille are going to definitely try to get that top four spot domestically. And that's what they're going to be focusing on. Well, as I think Olympiacos won't need, won't have as much trouble domestically, and they're going to be able to focus more on Europe, um, especially in these first few months. Because I mean, they usually just dominate the the Greek league. So I don't know. I kind I think I'm going to pick Manchester City and Olympiacos to get out of this. I'm going to, I'm going to take a little flyer on this.
1: So the reason I eliminated Olympiacos is because their very first like three or four games of the uh, like the group stage period are. Like if they get through it with like no losses, then they're in good shape. But they've got Marseille on the 21st, they've got Pauk, their like main t- uh, challenger for the league and one of the toughest away fixtures in Greece the very next weekend on the 24th. Then they go to Porto. Uh, then they have Apollon in the Greek League the next weekend and then they go to Manchester City. So you're looking at possibly like maybe a point from those first three Champions League games. Or maybe three points if they beat Marseille at home in the first game, but at Porto and at City to follow that up is it's rough. Like you, they they might they might as well just be like out of it after the first three games. So that's why I kind of favored Marseille or Porto to kind of be battling it out for that second spot.
0: All right, so I'll take. I'm still going to take. Manchester City and Marseille in that group. I know Porto have some players, but I don't. I don't think they are what they are. Let's get to another group, uh, a group that a lot of people expect is going to have a ton of goals in it, and that is Group D: Liverpool, Ajax, Atalanta, and Michelin. Look, this is going to be a fun group. I think there's a lot of goals in here. Liverpool, obviously, without their star keeper Allison for six to eight weeks right now, we'll see when he returns. Adrian filling in right now, and he's obviously made some mistakes. I still think Liverpool can win this league, but or win this this group, but. Uh, I really like Atalanta here. I think this is a young, exciting team, a well-coached team, and I look at this Ajax team as a team that doesn't really have all of the pieces that they've had before. But I still think that they're going to give a lot of uh, everybody in this group a lot of trouble. I'm not expecting a lot from Michelin. Uh, what do we, What do you guys think? I still think Liverpool can win it, but uh, maybe Atalanta can take them down.
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that Ajax. You know, they still have their coach, Eric Ten Hag. Um, and that's that's really big for them. And um, they also have this uh, young center back, uh, Per Schurz, who 20 uh, year old Dutch, four center back, um, who's who's back there, um, you know, trying to fill in some some big shoes. But I think them losing Ziyech and Donny Beek this summer is going to really, really affect them. I know they have that young winger, Johnny, um, Brazilian 20 year old winger who's been playing out in the wing seems to be doing pretty well in Eredivisie, and, and to start the season. They just bought him from Sao Paulo this summer. Um, Anthony, Anthony. And, yeah, and I think that, that uh, the, I think there's going to be a couple new stars that might show up. Maybe David Neres can get back on, on the scene. He hasn't really been playing much this season. He's just been making a couple appearances off the bench. But, you know, he didn't really play that much last season, was injured for, for all the second half of this season. And I think we're going to see this Ajax side kind of use the Champions League as, as a little bit of a development. Part and I think they're they're gonna I think they'll be very lucky to finish second over an Atlanta side that you know made a deep run in the Champions League last season to the to the last eight pushed that PSG side you know to their limits and they didn't really lose any any key pieces this summer um, I know they they lost that you know Diallo guy um, to Manchester United but I don't think he was a big big part of the setup in the first place so. I think that they've got all their players, and I think that they're, they might even give Liverpool a run for their money for first place. You know, well, it's a, well
0: Diallo uh, didn't leave Atalanta; he signed with them, but he's back with Atalanta. Like oh, okay. I, I think so until he's, he's there until
1: January, yeah. so he'll be available in Champions League. But I mean, again, I doubt he's going to play that much in these really big games. Um, do you think? But, do, do we think Javier, Atalanta could I'd beat say, Liverpool?
2: Could like could nip uh, first place here? Yeah.
1: Yeah, because Atalanta are set up uh, similarly. Similarly, I guess you could say to a Marcelo Bielsa Leeds team, except they've been doing it uh, for the last three years at the top of Syria. They've been leading the league in goals. Uh, they're currently first in Syria. When uh, after Juventus have had a bit of a hiccup to start the season, I've never considered Atalanta like serious contenders to actually win Syria, even though you you probably should respect them that much to put them in that category. But I think in terms of, like, knockout football, that this would, like, this probably suits them best. It's the best style for them. They score the most goals. Yes, they take lots of risks and will concede, like, in bunches themselves. Uh, but they have the firepower at the end of the day to overcome pretty much any, uh, advent, uh, any uh, advantage that another team may have over them. They, so they've
2: had a great start to the season, um, you know, banging in four four goals, four goals and five goals. So they're they're still you know pumping that those goals in in Serie A and, and they did beat Lazio four one, a team who just drew with Inter Milan and who you know were title contenders up till the end last season. So I think this Atalanta side they they continue to develop, um, you know. It, I think losing Ilicic Ilichich last season at the end tail end of last season, you know, may have hurt their title chances and, and their champions league. But now that he's back, um, and it looks like, you know, everybody's chipping in. They they got they, they got those goals flowing, free flowing football. I don't know. I, I kind of I'm tempted to even put them at first in this group just because of Liverpool's injury to to having Adrian in goal. Um, or there's a little bit there's rumors running around of Jack Butland maybe even being signed from Stoke City um, as a backup, but either one, whoever's in goal, if it's not Allison, I kind of feel like Liverpool might struggle a little bit, um, just concede a few goals, and you know might lead to a draw, like a crazy three-three draw or something like that. So I, I know that these two are going to get out of the group. It's just uh, I kind of want to I, I kind of want to go crazy here and say Atalanta are going to win the group.
0: It's going to be interesting. And, like, Liverpool, I think, won their group last year, and it still didn't really help them as they ended up drawing Atletico. So uh, I don't care. as all that, all that matters is that they get out of the group. But I definitely am worried about the goalkeeper situation uh, and, and how many of these crucial games Allison is going to end up missing. It's going to be at least a couple of them, which is... All
2: right, I'm doing it. I'm going crazy. Atalanta win the group. Liverpool get second. I don't think it's going to be particularly close that both of those teams get out. I think Ajax are just going to be kind of a distant third. Um, but I think those games are gonna be really fun. Atalanta IX, Liverpool IX, and then I mean I think that Mitzlandian they're gonna get pumped by every team, so.
0: Alright, let's move to group E, which has Sevilla, Chelsea, Krasnodar, and Wren. There's
2: Man, look, fuck Chelsea, man. They got the easiest group in all the Champions League. It's
0: not the easiest group. First of all, Manchester City definitely have an group. easier group. Alex. Uh, who does? Manchester I don't think City. so. I
2: think Manchester City, like the average team is is better in Man City's group.
0: Uh, let me
1: remind myself of that group again. Uh, Marseille, Olympiakos Porto. No, I'd say they're probably about the same. I, I mean, the, the, the main reason that this could, should be construed as an easier group is because you've got two first-time Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Ren and Krasnodar have never been in the Champions League. They've never been. They've never been in before, and they've flirted with it plenty of times. Chelsea has never played like any Europa of these League teams and... before,
2: which is kind of crazy. Never yeah. played against Sevilla or Ren. Uh,
1: but, I mean, from, from the Chelsea perspective, after the last two times we've been in the Champions League and we've been in tougher groups than this, but groups we should have still thought we can win, and we ended up finishing second in last year's group to Valencia and then uh, second in the previous group to three years before under Conte uh, behind Roma. Now, we did finish ahead of Atletico in that in, that season, uh, and they went down to Europa League, but by getting second place in those two groups, very winnable groups, we ended up having to play Barcelona when we uh, were uh, when we had Conte as manager, and we had to play Bayern Munich, obviously last year because we finished second. So the group, the, the not the aim now, but the one hundred percent goal. Anything less is considered a failure has to be first place in this group. I know Sevilla are a very good team and uh, we'll have a good chance on like the opening day of the Champions League group stage to beat them at home, to uh, get a nice little head start. But I'm, I'm confident that we can do it. You know, the, We've got players coming back healthy, uh, just at the right time. Uh, Pulisic and ZX are looking like they're gonna be back for the very first Premier League game. I'm confident we're gonna get first in this group. If we get second, I won't say I'm uh, not disappointed. Uh, But you just have to get out of this group, you know, because despite the Krasnodar away trip coming in between the away game with Man United and the away game with Burnley, that's like, it's not an ideal week, you know. Three trips, the uh, of around like one of them is three thousand miles, basically out to Baku around that area. You, you just gotta you just gotta play through it. That's just gonna be what this season's about. So uh, I, I'm thinking we'll be okay uh, and finish top of the group, pretty uh, with maybe like a game to go or something. Because our last game will be home against Krasnodar.
2: I think Sevilla are winning this group. I mean, they won Europa last season. They have looked pretty good domestically, and Lopetegui's a, a very good coach, experienced coach. And yeah, I think the Sevilla side is is now a Champions League side. I know that we say that, and they always end up dropping down to Europa. But I I, I definitely don't. They think don't want to
1: be a Champions League side, Javier. You know this. They I don't want. I, I know any it's not going to happen League. this
2: season. I know that in this group they're going to be able to get out, and I I, I kind of fancy them to win this group. Um, so, and I think Chelsea just defensively, domestically, they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna have a lot of big games on their hands, and. I don't know, I think Sevilla it's a little bit easier for them domestic. I know that Barcelona and Real Madrid are like always one and two. And you know, Athletica Madrid's usually three. But they you know, usually that competition for that four spots maybe like a Villarreal Real or a Valencia. And I don't really see either one of those teams challenging Sevilla for that fourth spot this season. Kinda think Sevilla domestically are gonna be solidly in that fourth spot and you know, and then maybe even challenge for, for third place or, or something like that. So yeah, I've got Sevilla winning this group and Chelsea getting second and I think it's gonna be Very very narrow though. I think it's going to go down to the last day, and it's going to really matter between those two matches between Sevilla and Chelsea because I kind of think that both of those teams are just going to pump. You know, Krasnodar and Ren here, who are probably both going to be competing to try to get into that Europa League, where they uh, they're both Europa League level teams, and I'm sure that they 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 fancy themselves to at least get you know a win or two if they can get into that Europa League knockout stage. And I'm not sure who I who I pick there. I kind of I kind of want to favor Krasnodar. Because um, they do have that like pretty wicked away ground to go to, and Ren are just. I just I don't even think that they're a Europa League level team. Um they they lost some pretty big players They've this been summer. in
1: Europa League the last couple of years. Yeah, so they are by definition. Pumped. They've
0: gotten like destroyed when they've been also, in Europa League. Also you're
1: disrespecting so. the next greatest thing in football, Eduardo Camavinga. That's who, what I was
0: going to bring up. I'm so pumped to see this yeah, guy I mean, in this competition regardless of where Ren finish in the group. Like this kid's at 17, he's already been linked to Madrid. There's like like I I've watched a couple highlights and he is really really good. So I'm more excited to watch Ren just to watch this kid play at a top tier competition. Whether or not they can beat Krasnodar is a different conversation. But I'm very excited to watch Ren because of him. Um, but I'll, I'll take Chelsea and Sevilla. I'll take Chelsea to win the group because I think by the time like they get to some of these group stages, they will be more healthy. They will also too. Like we know guys like Kai Havertz and uh, Timo Werner who might have struggled against uh, co- opponents in the Premier League. Have done well against opponents in the continent. Like they will do fine in this competition. They might not do always do well in the Premier League, but they will do fine in this competition. And that's why I'll take Chelsea in this. Uh, and all,
1: I mean, it it does. You got to add Thiago Silva to that even, list too. Yes. Seeing is he's yes was just in a Champions League final yes. uh, last or last end of last season. I, I, I uh, but sorry, I do want to say about Sevilla because I don't want to make it just seem like I think it's going to be a piece of cake. This Sevilla team is definitely a better. Uh, team from top to bottom than the Valencia one that beat us out for first last year. Uh, but other than like the obvious uh, additions in the transfer market uh, to Chelsea that make me think that we've pushed past those kinds of uh, teams in Spain. Uh, Sevilla lost Reguilon who I thought was a very big uh, part to like the balance they were establishing down those wings with Navas on the right and Reguilon on the left that they've started Escudero there, who's had a good start to the season and played really well against Barcelona in the 1-1 draw they just had. And uh, Joan Jordan, the uh, Spanish midfielder, kind of has taken over for whatever Benega used to do. Uh, But I still think they're going to struggle for goals uh, at times in this Champions League group. I I mean, I like Luke de Jong. I think he's a good player. But, I mean, him, Ocampos, uh, their route for, or like their... Primary and secondary goal scoring options, I don't think are as dependable as uh, the the Europa League competition so, made them look. So I last say year.
2: honestly, I'm going to take back my Krasnodar finishing third because I just looked. Ren Ren, are, yeah, our Ren first, have a decent side. Yeah, they are first in Liga right now, and um, they do have some promising young players. Um, they also have signed um, Martin Terrier. Th- uh, young left, like left winger slash left left back from uh, Lyon this summer. Um, they also have they also signed this uh, French
1: Terrier was the player who scored against uh, Juventus in the first leg for Lyon in the Champions League last year before the uh, the stoppage from COVID.
2: They also have this French striker uh, Sergu Guirassy. And uh, he's got three goals and one assist in five games so far to start the season for Rennes, as well as, you know, being able to pair uh, Steven Nzonzi and Benjamin Beauregard, who are both uh, French internationals um, in the midfield. And I think that's that's pretty solid to have. uh, You know, that's a pretty damn solid three in the midfield. And, uh, you know, I I don't know. I think I'm actually I'm actually think they're going to be maybe a little surprise in this group. And and they're not going to be as easy to beat as we think they are. But I I kind of feel them to finish third now. So.
1: Also, if you take into account that it's going to be difficult for teams to travel out to Krasnodar uh, to play them, I don't think it will be that difficult, but it will be a big trip. Krasnodar, for every single one of their away trips, are going to be going 3,000 miles to Sevilla, Rennes, or to London. So uh, those away trips for them are going to be especially terrible. And I think Wren will end up in Europa League, Sevilla with us, uh, and we'll... We'll hopefully get first place. We should expect first place at this point.
0: I hate that there's not going to be fans for Mendy and the two Wren-Chelsea. I, I, honestly,
1: in terms of uh, fan involvement, I think this is probably one of the better draws. Wren might have been a nice away day, but no, I, English I just fans mean, get abused by Spanish police every time they go there, not, and no one wants to go to Krasnodar. I, yes, I get so that. That's not. We're not missing anything, out. I'm think.
0: just saying, like... The fact that Chelsea just bring in the the Wren goalkeeper, who's expected to start, like it would have been cool. Oh, right. It would have yeah. been cool for him to get like a nice ovation from the Wren faithful. That's what I mean. That's really where I'm coming from. Not like the away day situation, but. Uh,
1: hey, they, they have fans back in the stadiums for uh, league games. Maybe they'll have them in there for uh, Champions League games we, sh- we
0: shall see. I feel like the man deserves a nice ovation. We'll move to Group F, which is topped by Zenit St. Petersburg, the champions of Russia. But then the two teams that I'm excited to wop out is Borussia Dortmund and Lazio Followed out by Club Bruges. This is a, this is gonna be a fun group. I really think like we could have some really really good teams coming out of this. Really good games coming out of this group. Um, Zenit uh, obviously their their big signing of the off was uh, uh, Liverpool's uh, center back Lavrin, Lovren. Um, Borussia Dortmund obviously able to keep a hold on Jadon Sancho. While we now seeing G- uh, Gio Reyna step up and become a contributor to that team on a regular basis, obviously bringing in Jude Bellingham, the uh, the midfielder from Birmingham as well, and Lazio with just uh, a really really fun team that I'm excited to see on a European stage. I, I really want to see them get out of the-, the the group stage of the Champions League because I feel like, you know, they they're going to be a fun team to watch in the. The knockout rounds because there's so much talent on that team um, are we all going to take Dortmund and Lazio here I- I'm taking Dortmund to win the group I know that they have, you know, choked over the, uh, choked in key moments over the last couple of years, but they have the experience. Um, I, I think we're all leaning towards Dortmund a lot. but what do you guys say?
2: I think for for Zenit, there's a couple of players to watch. Um, I think that they they obviously have still their veteran striker uh, Zhuba, who's been there for a long time and who we all remember for his shenanigans for Russia um, in the World Cup. But they also have um, to pair with him up top, uh, Sardar Azmun, who's been. In at Zenit now for a couple of years, um, but he is like, you know, one of the great goal scorers for Iran. I think he has like 35 goals in 52 appearances for Iran. He's only 25 years old. Um, and he also has a similar scoring rate for Zen at St. Petersburg. So he's one to watch and he's been linked to bigger clubs like Napoli um, and VRL and stuff like that. So he's a player who I, I think will announce himself on the Champions League stage this year. He, he had, I think, three or four goals in Europa last year. And he's a player to watch as well as Malcolm, who, you know, we saw him on Barcelona. He was a player who had a lot of hype um hasn't really
1: Bordeaux, but yeah yeah
2: hasn't hasn't really uh, you know been been at it the last couple of years but i think he's he's another one who's going to try to to announce himself um and then you know legendary chelsea player yuri Zhirkov, uh you know he's uh he's going to be on this team 37 yuri years the old off. right <laughs> leading this team uh but no i think zenit zenit'll be a uh, dark horses in this group um they they are a pod 1 team in this and i think that was the easiest pod 1 team to draw but, um, like you said, Dayon Lovren, that's gonna add defensively to them. And yeah, I think they're gonna be a hard team to beat no matter what, um, making that trip away to Russia. And they've got some they've got some talent in the team. So I, I feel like it's gonna be close and I could I could I could see them nipping second from Lazio if if Lazio don't show up and, and are focusing domestically, because they haven't had the best start to the season and um, you know, I think an injury or two to, to someone like an Immobile or, or a Serge Malenko-Savage, and I think you could see Zenit finishing second in this group. So I don't think it's like clear-cut. Yeah, I, I think it seems like Alex agrees with me because uh, he's got Zenit, Zenit finishing second. So why don't you give nah,
1: us— No, I, I switched up. I'm going—oh, I'm going, you said Zenit second? I thought you were predicting Lazio second. No,
2: I am, but I'm saying you're finishing. You're predicting them to finish second, so I was going to say give us the reason why.
1: Yeah, I mean, the main reason why is because they upgraded the, God, why am I blanking on his name right now, Ivanovic uh, position. They were playing him at center back, won the league doing so. He was very good for them. But they've upgraded that position with Lovren, uh, which seems crazy to say about Lovren, but he's in a much better place in his career right now. And um, it it seems like the right time for a move for him. Uh, And then the main uh, player I'm going to be looking to watch to see if he can uh, boost himself and get a, a another move from or to a better team in Europe is Wilmar Barrios the uh, Colombian midfielder who uh, was in those Boca Juniors teams that went to multiple Copa Libertadores finals he's a very good player plays for the Colombian national team kind of a box to box do it all midfielder uh, I'm very excited to see him and Malcolm uh, but Malcolm also, we kind their, of know about now.
2: also their left back uh, Douglas Santos who's made an appearance for Brazil and um, He's now been on Zenit for a couple of years, but you know was on Udinese and Hamburg and Atletico Mineiro. So he's been on, he's been on some decent clubs before this, and he's another one to watch to play on that wing with Malcolm. So I think, yeah, zenith has got some good players, and I think they might surprise in this group. So
1: I think it might be a little bit of a call, not to say that I think Dortmund are in any trouble of not qualifying from this group, but I think they could get kind of sucked down into the group um, and make it a little bit closer than you you would have thought, uh, just by the, the the overall quality of uh, Zenit and Lazio, and uh, put that together with the fact that uh, they've they've not had the most amazing starts to the Bundesliga campaign this year, and that by far will be their uh, yeah, but their, but Holland. Their Holland. Yeah, I know, but gonna uh, score uh, when, like Holland, goals when Holland doesn't play, there's still the very obvious uh, problem with Dortmund that when he doesn't play, they have no cutting edge to their team. They I think try the to problem is, is
2: Sancho Sancho hasn't played this season either. So
1: Sancho's played a bit, and when he's played, they've been good, but they've had other games where Haaland's been injured and they've had to play some combination of Sancho and Gio Reyna and uh, Brent up top or Thorgen Hazard up top. And Lucien Favre just seems to think that he can make do without Holland by playing plenty of uh, like, like tricky little wingers, but a lot of the times he just ends up being a blunt knife. So uh, I wouldn't put that into my prediction. So I'll keep Dortmund as uh, first place, assuming Holland's healthy and they're able to balance the uh, Bundesliga and Champions League schedule pretty well. Um, but I'll, I'll say Zenit gets second uh, for this group. I
0: have to take. I have to take Lazio just because of the former Liverpool players. Like, yeah, fine, Dan Leverin's over at Zenit, but, like, you've got Lucas Leiva and uh, Pepe Reina and Luis Alberto all at Lazio. Like, we just dump our guys who don't fit at the team there anymore. So I'd love to see a Liverpool-Lazio round of 16 matchup. That'd be a ton of fun, in my opinion. And also, look, I mean, at Stryker, obviously, we've got Chiro Mobile, who, who just banged in goals last year. And I I love this lot. Back team. to back golden boot winner. Exactly, yeah. and you got Sergey.
1: Again, this is this is all in Syria. Yeah, it's true. It's he is a proven Syria goal scorer, but when it comes to the highest level in the Champions
2: League, we have not seen shit from him. It's true. So he struggled at a door Don't call me a hater, but yeah. it's true. Uh, he only scored two goals in last year's Europa League, and they they kind of petered out. So yeah, doesn't seem like they have the biggest focus in Europe, which makes me kind of want to lean to Zenit too. Um, makes it kind also, of think a reminder, that they might... Zenit?
1: Zenit were in a group last year with, I believe, Leon, RB Leipzig, and either Porto or Benfica. You know Benfica. what? I'm going to change my and pick. They, and they got third and barely... Uh, they were actually ahead going into the last uh, match day and lost out to Leon, I think, on the final match day of the of the group.
2: I'm, cha- so. I'm changing my pick. I've talked myself into it. I'm going Zenit second as well. No, no, so. Javier, I talked you into it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You're welcome.
0: All right, let's move along. Group, a, uh, group G, which is probably... The most exciting group in terms of star power because it has Juventus with Cristiano Ronaldo, Barcelona with Lionel Messi, potentially his last Champions League group stage ever with Barcelona, Dino Kiev, and uh, uh, have- Fer- Ferencvaros. Varos. Ferenc Varos. Ferenc Varos. There we go.
2: It's their first appearance in the Champions League. Somehow made it in. I don't recognize Welcome. anyone on that team.
1: Welcome, Farring You're officially a, a bigger club than Arsenal.
0: <laughs> Congratulations, uh, uh, Lionel Messi they're, and they're Cristiano qualifying. Ronaldo. Oh. are both going to try to score hat-tricks against you. They have Frimpong's younger brother. Oh, wait. I remember hearing about this club, and they have ties to Barcelona. Because former Barcelona legend, I want to say, I don't know if it was Stoichkov or... Oh, they have Adam Bogdan in goal. Historically, somebody who was at Barcelona ended up, like, came from here. Ex-Liverpool, Adam Bogdan. Yes. Adam Bogdan, who uh, Liverpool famously signed because he did well against them in the League Cup. Because Brendan Rodgers is a fucking moron. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think who it was that came here from... Ended up at Barcelona, but the, there was somebody... Anyways, the the real conversation is the Barcelona-Juventus games are going to be absolutely fantastic, which is hilarious because obviously saw, we saw the Artur and Pjanic uh, transfer between these two clubs in the offseason. Uh, that's going to be one to watch, but I'm very interested, interested to see how this is going to play out. I, I really think it's still Juventus, but obviously Juventus is playing with a new manager in Pirlo who doesn't have a ton of managerial experience, and, Juvent- and Barcelona has lost. I mean, they moved on from so many players in the last, in the last few weeks. Obviously, Luis Suarez left, and um, they sold Ruben Smito to, to... I think most famously, these two
2: traded their midfielders, Gianic yeah. and Artur. Yeah. So that should be interesting, them going up head-to-head against their old teams. Messi versus Ronaldo.
0: In games that, that matter too, like like these, these aren't obviously classicos, but both of these teams are going to want to top the group, and I feel like both Kiev and Farin, uh, the other team are just going to get killed in in all their games. And uh, yeah,
2: absolutely,
1: Kiev Kiev will put up a, a bit of a fight against both of them, especially in the away leg in Kiev. They're not they're not a terrible team, no, but yeah, Farincharis, I agree. Uh, the current Ukraine team is current is built out of all of the best young players from Dynamo Kiev and Shakhtar Donetsk. So, and they just lost seven
2: um, one to Germany, I think, or no, to uh, France the other few days. Uh, ago, so. Yeah,
1: to France in a friendly, but they uh, th- they were missing half those players because of COVID. So, hopefully, they're uh, all the ones from uh, Dynamo Kiev are back and at their best. I know someone like uh, Shaparenko, one of the midfielders, who. Impressed me when we played it when Chelsea played against them in the Europa League a couple of years ago. He's a decent prospect that will probably move uh, somewhere soon. So I expect Kiev to wrap up that Europa League place and you know not make it too easy for Barcelona and Juventus. But uh, who are you guys picking top? Because that's the main question. Barca, Juventus. Yeah, I mean I'm
2: picking Barca. I always pick them to win the group. So I think this yeah, is this is gonna be this, of, is Messi's, this is Messi's swan song, and uh, I kind of feel like Juventus are gonna have a. Uh, A battle on their hands domestically. There's, there's, I think Inter are really going for that title this season. Atalanta will as well, and I think they're going to have to be as sharp as possible in a Serie A that, you know, I think it's a little bit more balanced this year. There's, there's a lot of decent teams, mid-table teams that are going to, I think, give a little bit of trouble to the top teams, and um, I don't think it's going to be that easy, especially because this is Pirlo's first season and. They've won
0: something like eight or nine titles in a row. So I think it's I think nine. It was nine eight for Bayern, yeah. I want to say. Um, I'm going to take Juventus. I just think there's more talent in the, on the roster. And I know it comes down to management, but I have a future on Barcelona to win La Liga. I, I did that be, just because I look at... Messi on his potential swan song, and here's the thing: we could we could see Messi sign a future contract, obviously as a free agent as soon as January. Depends on the Barcelona elections, but I think Barcelona are gonna go as far as um, not Messi can take them a while, a, a pretty far place. But what we need to see from them is more from Ansu Fati and more from. Felipe Coutinho, who both of whom have played well so far this year, Fati playing well. I was going to say, I think
2: that's why I'm picking them to win this group is because this seems to be Fati's breakout. Coutinho's back, like you just said. I, don't I, know, I, I still I, like
0: I, this Juventus defense. It's still well organized. The midfield is good, and I look at Barcelona's back it's, line. It's and they, really different, though. I know we, we have
1: to bring up the fact that the system now they've gone they've undergone two like seismic shifts in how. They want to play as a team in each of the last two uh, off seasons, if you can even call this like an off season and just the fact that uh, Pirlo comes in on such short notice with no preseason and uh, not many games to really get the squad like up to speed with how he wants to play, which from what I've seen so far is like an extremely attacking three five two where they've got uh, Kulisevsky, the Swedish winger who was on loan elsewhere in Syria last season. They've got him playing right wing back. They've got, uh, frankly, they've got like almost too many players. They just signed Federico Chiesa from uh, Fiorentina. They still have Aaron Ramsey. Uh, They still have uh, Quadrado. They still have... A million players that they probably will be in the same situation as they were uh, last season, where they have to leave players out of their Champions League uh, roster for the that they're going to submit. So I, I can't like put my full confidence behind them, even though I don't really love Barcelona just yet either, mainly because Coman is. I really don't think he's up for that job, but I don't either. Yeah, I think but Messi I think, and Fati and yeah. uh, Frankie de Jong getting more of a of a role in the team with his national uh, team manager, kind of running everything through him. I'm, I'm, I think that will put uh, or be enough to push Barcelona uh, to win this group.
2: Usman Dembele is healthy again. Um, he hasn't really been getting much game time so far this season, but look for him to to get some game time in this Champions League group and. You know, maybe maybe start getting some confidence back, pounding in some goals against uh, Dino Kiev. Got a couple of
1: Americans on uh, Barcelona now, too. we got, we got is, Sergino Dest uh, and, and Conrad uh, De La Fuente. Conrad, what's his name?
0: Conrad De La Fuente. De La Fuente, yeah. And, I mean, obviously, Weston McKinney playing for Juventus on the other side, which is just wild. I mean, you know, two of the biggest clubs in the world, and we're talking about three American players. So very excited to see these guys compete in the Champions League. Um, so I'm going to take Juventus. I, I think there's too much talent I hope that Pirlo can figure it out and maybe get a draw at Barcelona and a win at Interin. But I'll take, um, I'm going to take Juventus. Uh, We'll go to Group H, which arguably is the group of death. Paris Saint Germain. I don't think
1: there's any argument. Paris Saint. It's a a group of death.
0: Paris Saint Germain. (laughs) Absolutely. Who come, you know, got so close losing in the Champions League final to Bayern Munich last year. Manchester United back in the competition. Rebel Leipzig or RB Leipzig. And, uh, Istanbul by Shakir, who uh, are no pushovers themselves. You go and look at this roster. This is a team, and here's the thing: I've tried to do some research about this team. They're kind of owned by the Turkish state. Um, but there's there's some real talent on on this club from Istanbul. That uh Is
1: Robinho still playing for them? I know he was playing for them last
0: year. No, I believe no, he's, he's, uh, he's he's on he went back to Sao Paulo, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think Santos. Oh, okay. I think he's on Santos. Santos, yeah. And he's getting Santos. paid like two hundred quid a month, so he's basically paying for free. But uh you still have Rafael, uh, who used to play right back for um for Manchester United, Demba Ba is still on this team. Nasser Chadli's on that team. And those are those are some of the notables. But there's also members from from Turkey. I would assume who are going to play on the Turkish national team. So they are no pushover. I, I really think they're going to be um, a team that gives somebody a run for their money. Uh, we've obviously Manchester United struggle early on in the Premier League so far. And sure, or RB Leipzig lose Timo Werner, but we know what they're capable of, and we, we we saw them have a decent European run last year, making the semifinals in the Champions League, albeit in an altered format. Alex, why do you think Manchester United can get through the group?
1: Because I don't think taking the two-game sample size from the unprecedented uh, single knockout Champions League tournament that we just saw a month or two ago—you um, know, that first win RB Leipzig had was over Atletico Madrid, who did not look anywhere near their best. The second one was a pretty just poor performance against PSG where they didn't really uh, look like going through to the final at all. They've kind of been making up for the loss of Werner by playing this like false nine formation with like Nkunku and uh, Almo drifting into that center forward position and sometimes Poulsen. And then uh, we kind of mocked them for... Uh, settling for Alexander Sorloth as their uh, Timo Werner replacement. It, it's, it, it, without a doubt now, he's going to be the guy in Bundesliga and now in Champions League that they're going to be relying on to uh, to be the focal point in attack. And not, not just score the goals that Timo Werner scored. I, I think that would be too much to ask of him. But they're going to ask for him to be... Uh, a nuisance and someone who can just distract defenders while the rest of their uh, admittedly very talented and good on the ball attacking players and wingers buzz around and, and do most of the damage. Uh, but I, I just don't think Sorloth is really good or proven enough to, to pull that off. I think those will be really, really close games, and I'm very open to being wrong, especially after that 6-1 drubbing United just took. But United are very much a form and confidence team, and two weeks from now they could get a win against Chelsea, and all of a sudden they're back on track, and their players are fit and healthy and playing well. It's it's literally night and day with Manchester United that you just don't know whether when they're going to figure it out.
2: So, so I think-
1: I, I'm I'm willing to bet that, especially with uh, fewer fans away games in Germany and in uh, Istanbul, I think that will really affect uh, positively like how difficult those fixtures will be. Um, But I think it's going to be a really rough one for United at first because they have to play at Paris Saint-Germain in the very first game. But that's out of the way. So, you know, maybe they get a point at that and all of a sudden they're in a nice position to sneak out of that group in second. So they're not completely relying on
2: Sorloth. Um, They have made a few signings this summer with that uh, Werner money. They did bring up uh, Huang Chan. Um, who was playing on Salzburg from
1: Salzburg? For yeah. Salzburg, they he's, have brought him up. He's more he's, of an attacking midfielder. Yeah, he's though.
2: more of an attacking midfielder, but the, it seems like they're getting goals from different places. Um, they also brought in uh, Lazar Samardzic, who's this like young German striker um, who seems to be uh, you know like a, a, the next big one of the, could be the next big thing coming out of Germany. Young kid, 18 years old. Um, they also signed Benjamin Heinrichs, um, who I think is like a right wing back. Uh, He's or, a wing back, yeah. yeah. Um, from Leverkusen, Leverkusen. Um, and yeah, it, it, I also really like their back line of Apamecano, Klosterman, uh, Mukulele, and um, Konate. I think the fact that they were able to hang on to Apamecano and Konate uh, means that in this group they're going to have they're going to have a good chance. Um, if defensively they can they can keep their shape, um, I really like their goalkeeper Gulashi. And, you know, that midfield of, of Kevin Campbell and Tyler Adams um, with and Haidara, all of them are, are high energy, um, you know, compress on the ball. And I think, I think they're going to give United a lot of trouble in this group. And, yeah, I'm picking Leipzig to get out of this. I feel like United are your Europa League team. I think defensively they're just not going to be at it this season, especially in the first six months. I think that they might try to sign somebody in January, and we might see a different United in the second half of the season. But I think, they, I think they're going to kind of trudge along in this first half of the season, and I don't see them getting out of this group. So I'm going PSG and RB Leipzig. And uh, I'm, I'm doing that also mostly because I, I, I really love Nagelsmann. Um, I had faith in him last year to, to get RB Leipzig out of a group that Alex didn't think they were going to get out of. And they ended up making it to the Champions League semifinals, um, even without their star striker, Werner, um, for, for the you know round of 16 and round of eight. You know, he pussied oh, out. He pussied out no, and left the team. So. That's
1: No, that's who they were in the group with. They were in a group last year with Zenit and uh, Leon. And I, I had them and Leon. I did not pick them to get out of the group last year. Come on, man.
2: I thought you did. All right, uh, but you know you. Come on.
1: They still had team. Yeah, yeah. Back but
2: Werner Ver, was a little bitch and left the team instead of uh, you know backing them up in the Champions League. So they were able to do pretty well without him anyway. And you know he's still a bitch because he hasn't scored in the league this season. So you know Werner, bitch. You like that, Alex? <laughs>
1: <laughs> How long did it take Nico Pepe to score in the league?
2: Uh, it took a little. You know, I think didn't uh, did took Obamian, a couple minutes. Albani so oh, gave me oh, oh, Albani oh, may have given him a penalty. Why did Jorginho oh, give oh, him oh, the penalty? That you know that's. That's not a nice move from Jorginho. We didn't talk about that game, but it's all okay. yeah, no. I think I team think. Coming. I'm 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 picking Leipzig. It looks like Andrew agrees with me. Why why do you have them why do you have them coming out?
0: I, I just think here's the thing, I think Manchester United are a team that reads the papers too much and a team that listens to the noise way too much. And as much talent as they have, I I, I don't trust Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as a manager yet. Um I know he's done a lot, but tactically I don't think he's better than Eaglesman. And, um, yeah, I know Nagelsmann is still struggling to replace Timo Werner, but I I just don't trust Manchester United yet. And eventually, sure, I I get where Alex is coming from, that they will probably come good at some point. But um, I I think Leipzig can maybe take advantage of some of that. And I think United can struggle against all these games. I I wouldn't be surprised if they even limp into uh, Europa League. I I just... I know that they're a good team, and I know there's a good team in there. But right now, that I just haven't. I, it's too early to really say. Oh, like this is a major problem. But I, I think they're a Europa League team. I know they got hot towards the end of the year when Bruno Fernandez was really playing well, and the fact that they haven't come out swinging, which I didn't expect that. But I, I don't know when they kind of get that moment where they get back to where they were. A couple months ago where they were, I wouldn't say unplayable, but were playing really, really good football. And I I just I trust Nagelsmann because I think he's going to be a guy who's handed the keys to a bigger Ferrari sooner than a guy like Ole. And I think tactically they might be able to pull one over, personally.
1: I've got four words to finish this segment off. Edinson Cavani revenge tour. Yeah. He's got – no? I just think no. – Nah. It, you bring in a player like Cavani for this kind of Champions League group. Like, you know, you just don't have to worry about him. He's going to work his ass off. He's Also, well, Sabitzer's tournament. been
2: hurt so far this season. So I think once he comes back, it's going to add more goals to the team. He's kind of one who...
1: Yeah, But I, I was talking about United. Like, nah, Cavani against his, against his old team, PSG, you know. He's the leading scorer in PSG's history. He's not going to, you know, want to go against his old club. I, don't know, I think uh, that could be one area where a signing like Cavani actually benefits them when they need to rest players like Martial and Rashford for big Premier League games uh, later on in the, the weekend.
0: It will be interesting. Um, we appreciate you guys listening to the Champions League uh, preview pod. Uh, I'm Andrew Pissarro along with Javier Arevalo and Alex Moss. Follow us along on Twitter and Instagram at Ghost Gold Pod, at Andrew Pissarro, at ASMoss92, and at JavierRev9. And until next time. So yeah